All right. Welcome to this very special episode, a crossover episode between Section 202 and the play-by-play. As you can see on screen, we are constructing a plan to bring the AU men's basketball team back to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm Andrew Powers. I will be your host tonight. As you can see, thank you. As you can see in the little thumbnail, we have um, what I like to call the peanut gallery out there. They're going to be asking questions, antagonizing me, anything they want, really, anything they feel. So without further ado, let's get started with the five points. Point number one, scrap the Princeton offense. Point number two, utilize Capital One Arena. Point number three, utilize relationship with the Ivy League. Point number four, play up, not down. And point number five, establish a real crosstown rivalry. So without further ado, let's get into point number one. Point number one, scrap the Princeton offense. I am very passionate about this. As a former <laughs> junior varsity high school basketball coach, I am well in tune with the minds of the modern young basketball player. And I know that the Princeton offense does not suit the mindset that the young basketball player has nowadays. Princeton offense, for a while, was considered the best offense you could run in college basketball. But now, it's outdated. Has been for a while, probably 10, 10, 15 years now. As I mentioned, it's not a way that a lot of guys like to play the game. Anybody have any comments on this? Yes. So, I guess, like, you might get into this, but, like, what offense would you, what offense would you prefer? That is not a me problem. <laughs> um, that's a problem for the coaching and athletics department to figure out. I'm just saying this hasn't worked. Yeah, but, like, if you were to just say one, like, just which offense would you want to run? I'm going to be honest with the podcast. I don't know the names of many offenses. Uh, So I'm not going to run one in particular. (laughs) That is me showing my knowledge. All right. Without further ado, point two. This is the easiest one. This is going to get more into recruiting. Utilize Capital One Arena. Fan reason. Come on, Capital One is fun. I know we all have different opinions about the Wizards, about any other team that plays there. But... An NBA arena is a fun place to be. It's a fun place to watch college basketball. We play there once a year to play Georgetown, but usually we play Georgetown over winter break. Um, So no one's really here to watch that. I have not been here. I just have to watch it on TV, which kind of sucks. I'm not going to lie. So it would be a fun fan experience, fun AU experience to get all your buds, go down to Capital One for the night, go watch the Eagles. All right. Recruit reason. This is my favorite reason. This is one of my favorite things. Um, If you can advertise to a potential recruit that you play in an NBA arena, that's an amazing, like, selling point that you can bring to an athlete. Um, We're going to play in the same arena that the Wizards play in. And I just don't understand why. I mean, maybe it's a scheduling reason. I know Georgetown plays their home games there already. Wizards play there. Caps play there. Um, Might be hard to schedule, but come on, just squeeze, like, one more game in there. Squeeze one more game. The example I give is USF building up their program uh, again after having it not having it for a while. Uh, they advertised to their recruits a lot. Chase Center uh, recently built like state-of-the-art arena. So I just don't understand why we can't do that. Unless anybody has any questions, I can move on to, yeah. So, um, hi, this is William Timmy here, professional underwater rocket torpedo. And, um, Powers, I have a question for you. What do you think Bender Arena specifically is lacking for recruits? Okay. Bender Arena 
let me give context. I went to a very small, underfunded public high school in Northern California. Bender Arena is a smaller gym than my high school gym. We're um, a D1 program. Let's be better. Uh, I know that someone just donated a bunch of money in the last couple of years to build a new basketball arena. We're not going to see the light of day of that in our time here. So that's what I think it's lacking is everything. Yes. Hi, I'm Kyra Benzing Ford from the Eagle. Do you think it may be unappealing to recruits that whenever we do play in Capital One, we lose in front of a big crowd? <laughs> and on TV. Maybe, maybe. But I think recruits are going to have to get comfortable losing. Um, I will, that's a further, that's a point that will come into play later. What's so funny, Ben? <laughs> comfortable losing is maybe going to be the Instagram thing for this. <laughs> yeah, um, I think. I think they should get comfortable losing if they come here. Any other questions? Yeah, Leah. Hi, I'm Leah. I am one of the co-hosts of this very podcast that you are listening to. Um, do you think it might be like, I don't know, would it make recruits not want to come to AU if they're playing in the same place as the Wizards because the Wizards like aren't good? Will it even like make them want to come here? Will they just be like, okay, like who cares? Um, no, I don't think so because it's an NBA arena and this isn't a direct comparison, but like, I don't think the success of the Wizards has any connotation on the arena because like the Knicks have been terrible for a long time. But if you can tell someone they're playing in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, but I don't think Capital One is like. Capital One, that's what I'm saying. It's not exactly comparable to MSG, (laughs) but it's still an NBA arena. Like, and it's not the, it's definitely not the smallest NBA arena so I don't think the Wizards have any pull over that no Ben yes Ben Morse here not as cool of a uh, descriptor as Timmy but uh, what do you think of Kyle Kuzma (laughs) listen 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 I am from the Bay Area I hate the Lakers Um, so for a long time I was anti-Kyle Kuzma but this year Ooh, baby, Kyle Kuzma is such a fun player to watch. Uh, seeing him in person was awesome. Leah and I went to a Raptors game. He is a lot bigger than you would expect. So are you saying you are a Kuzman? Are you saying you're a Kuzman? I'm a district Kuzman. <laughs> I'm on the train. I'm not going to lie. I like Kyle Kuzma. All right, moving into the next. <laughs> this is sorry the transition gets me this is possibly the most important and easiest thing that the athletic department can change to radically change uh the basketball program here so utilizing the proximity of the ivy league scheduling reason we're in the same like area generally as most of those schools so like it's a no-brainer um they're also very similar skill-wise. They are a bit better than us, um, as us being the Patriot League. But the skill level, you know, it depends on the school, but some of them are better, some of them are worse. Most of them are better, sadly. But I think that's an important thing that we have neglected. The women's basketball team definitely has not neglected it. The volleyball team has definitely not neglected it. And I think it's probably the easiest fix. Now, this is another one of my favorite reasons. The fan reason... I observed this while covering the volleyball team last season. AU students love it when the Ivy League plays us because it gives 
AU students the opportunity to experience a win over the schools that have rejected them. Um, AU students, when it comes to schools that rejected them in their college application process, we have an issue with getting over it. So this is a really fun thing that I think can bring a lot of fan attention to the games that maybe don't have as much attendance as other teams. Questions? Yes. I have a question. So why do you think um, the volleyball team and the women's basketball team have uh, utilized their proximity to the Ivy League, but the men's team hasn't? The first thing is those teams are just better. They are. That's, I'm not trying to insult anybody by saying that, but they're better. Um, also, I think maybe, hmm, let me think about a word this. Um, the men's team might try to play down to get, like, to pad their win record sometimes. Maybe play some lower conferences. I'm going to get into that as well. Um, I think that's the reason. It's just a oversight, in my opinion. Yes, Ian? Uh, Ian Gunderson. I'm also a host of this podcast. Um, as someone who has yelled, who took your SAT for you when the volleyball team played Harvard, uh, do you think that there needs to simultaneously be a change in fan culture along with uh, skill, team culture, location, uh, and also scheduling? A change in fan culture, I think, is, is a major key that I'm trying to get at here. Um, I think when you have an invigorated fan base, you'll have a team that is more motivated to play better. If you're playing in an empty gym, what are you playing for? You're not playing for anybody. Um, so I think a change in fan culture is definitely important. Not going to lie, I forgot the other parts of your question. <laughs> yeah, Marco and then Ian. Uh, Mark Gotchner, the Eagle. Uh, do you think uh, lack of fan enthusiasm has anything to do with the fact that our mascot is the Eagle, and that's pretty lame? Shut up. Be quiet. Bruh. I think I'm think... working on a squad that... piece right now. Wait, yeah. That... Cut this question, audio team. <laughs> no, don't is that a controversial topic? I, I think thought... Claude's the Eagle is good. Yes. But Claude's the Eagle could be better. Yep. So yeah. that's my take on that. I'm talking, I'm talking like upgrade. American University, the Eagles. Oh, we can't change that though, because that's been, you know, that's true. It's, Do you know what? We're, we're can I give you guys? Point. Can I give you guys a fact? Yes, give us a fact. Um, we are only the Eagles because of this very newspaper that we write for. It's true. The that's Eagle. Wait, really? We, yeah. We found this out. Yeah. We did all the this research. Topic, please. So basically, in like the 1920s, when we were first getting started out, we didn't have a mascot, but we had a newspaper. So the newspaper was like, we're called the Eagle. Would it be really funny if we were the Eagles, like, as a school? So basically, they kind of, like, went around, did some kind of petition, and all of the sports teams were, like, I don't know what they were. I don't even know what they were before if they had a mascot, but um, they became the Eagles. All right. Moving on to the next point. This is what I'm talking about. This is where necessary losing comes in. Play up, not down. This is a big mistake, I think. Um, not going to lie. If you're trying to build your program up, you got to lose. You have to get beat down. Um, you got to do what you got to do. This is something so close to my heart because I see us playing some of these teams from conferences that would be considered worse than the Patriot League, um, and we just get embarrassed by them sometimes, and it is not fun to watch as a fan. I can only assume as an athlete that's not fun either because maybe you go into a game expecting to win, and then 
you just lose. So I think you have to get beat down. Like I said, you got to do what you got to do. Also, if you play better teams, you get better reps um, in preseason play. If you play like a Power 5 team, that'll prepare you better to play other Patriot League teams when it comes to league play. So I think it's important that we play up. Anybody got questions about this? Lee. Hi, Lee Clark, Second 202 co-host and uh, sports Lee beat Clark editor. Here. <laughs> uh, wonderful person. Um, <laughs> this season, uh, I had the displeasure of watching Duke beat the absolute crap out of either Lafayette or Lehigh. I don't remember which one. Are you absolutely sure you would like that to happen to American University? Listen, listen, listen. I'm 100% sure that I want us to lose by 50. Um, I sort of mentioned this earlier. Bringing a school like that or playing a school like that on TV or something brings fan attention, so from that front, it's good. Also, you're playing better competition, so you're learning to play up. Um, you just you, you have to do it, okay? You can't... You can't keep playing these bad teams. I'm sorry. This, this has bothered me for the last three years I've been here. It's just embarrassing. All right. Yes. Hi, Kyra again. Um, do you think if we play these teams that are way better than us, we may overextend our players and they get hurt as a result, and then in teams that, in games that we should win, we'll lose because we're missing so many key, or key players on our side? Yeah, that's why I think it's important to balance. Like, maybe you play two Power 5 teams um, before you get to league play and not, like, ten. I mean, first of all, you're not going to be able to schedule that. Um, but second, yeah, like you're saying, you don't want to overextend your players accidentally make something bad happen or cause players to get so frustrated with the with the team that they quit or something like that yeah alex look here i'm the uh the play-by-play uh co-host forgot to introduce myself the first time <laughs> um so the women's basketball team does this a lot they play up not down do you think like by playing up could that kind of equate to a potential like Cinderella run for the men's basketball team in the future if they do that? Or is that like, are they just going to like make the NCAA tournament, get beat first round? Or like, what What do you think this is like long term? Long term, I think um, I would take you mentioned this in your most recent article um, I would take the similar approach that the women's basketball team is taking, you know you're happy to get to the NCAA tournament but you want to work towards a win you want to work towards a run um so I think if you get the bid, that's great. Uh, that's a great place to start, but you want to get a win. You want to get two wins, but that takes a couple years to do. So, you know, develop your way there. Yeah. Ian? Uh, off of that, oh, Ian Gunderson. Uh, off of that question, um, Meg Jebbia is notorious for playing uh, tough teams, scheduling tough teams in the non-conference. This past season, we played Towson, Minnesota, and Virginia. We ended up beating Virginia. Uh, a win like that, while rare, um, is exciting, and it was awesome to see the team come together in the locker room after that. How much stock do you put into um, good performances and wins against these bigger schools that we play up against, um, creating a team bonding and a, a carrying the team into the next couple games, next couple weeks, uh, and even the conference schedule? All right, yeah, I definitely think that's uh, important, especially if you get the win. Like you said, creating that sort of team bonding experience, that excitement around the team um, creates excitement for fans and players. Um, I think that definitely is a big aspect of it. 
that's really what I'm trying to get at with this too, is like if you get that win over a nationally ranked team, um, I just wrote about this, it'll be in the print article, but when we beat Georgetown in the 80s, they were like number two nationally ranked. Um, I think that's a perfect scenario to have happen, um, to have something like that, because it's like you don't go in expecting that, but if you come out with it, you're extremely, extremely happy. Yeah. All right. This this is the most important fan. Um, like, this will affect the fandom aspect of it the most. I think is we don't really have any sort of rivalry, no matter what any particular social media accounts would have you believe. We don't have beef with any other school in this city, but we should change that. Um, obviously, similar to the Ivy League scheduling reason, they're geographically close. I think I mentioned. Oh no, I didn't mention this, but. Similar, Georgetown, different different beast. But GW and Howard are at least similar skill-wise to us. Maybe a little better, maybe a little worse, depending on the year. Um, and also, the athletic directors are probably very familiar because they, I bet they would interact a lot being in the same city, scheduling their teams. Um, so they can make it work with one of them. I know they can do it. They just choose not to. Ideally, ideally we would get two games of GW a year. Um, that would be a little more fun because then... You have GW come here. We go to GW. We can sort of, we can we can all get to and from each other's schools. It's easy. Um, like I mentioned, there aren't many teams that energize the fan base. Like, what team is coming to AU that everyone's like, we gotta go to this game. If we go any any game this season, we have to go to the Longwood game. <laughs> Who's saying that? Um, like I mentioned, meeting multiple times a year, that would be enough. Um, just twice is fine. Anybody got questions about this? Yeah, Lee. Hi, Lee Clark again. I hope my intro from before is cut. Oh my god. Uh -oh. <laughs> Sorry. Alright, alright. Uh <laughs> yes, Hi, Lee Clark again. Uh I hope my intro was cut from before again. Um of these crosstown teams, which one in your opinion do you think would be the best rival for us? I personally think GW would be the best rival for us because their conference is um, similarly ranked in Ken Palm Power Rankings. Um, so they're the most similar. I think Howard would be the second best. Their conference is a lot lower than the Patriot League in Power Rankings, but anything but Georgetown. I'm going to be real. I don't want that rivalry. That would be painful. <laughs> I know I said we have to get beat down, but I would rather in the rivalry games we have a chance. Yeah, Ben. Hi, Ben Morse here, sports managing editor, once again, here to ask another question. So, when you talked about uh, facing the Ivies because of fan resentment for failure to get into the Ivy Leagues due to a plethora of reasons, isn't Georgetown in that same boat? No, this is different. This is different. How is this different? Because this is us trying to establish a rivalry, because this that's a different kind of fan excitement. This is... This is a fan excitement where you go into the game and it's even ground, but you hate the other side so much that you need to do it. Um, so I think this is a different kind of, I think this is a different kind of resentment, you know? So Georgetown would not be, not be beneficial, I don't think. Why do you think AU has not yet established a real crosstown rivalry? Like, what is stopping them from doing this? Because it's really only beneficial. Um, you know, in my research 
for my upcoming print article. It's a plug for the print edition. We used to have like these crosstown rivalries. I think it sort of ended because of John Thompson in the eighties. Um, he sort of broke up the whole. Can like, you explain the lore a little bit there? John Thompson, former um, Georgetown basketball coach, DC legend. Um, he was a man of strong opinion, is how I can say it. Um, and he decided um, in the 80s to sort of break up the DMV um, rivalries that were entertained in college basketball, so no more Maryland, no more GW, no more AU. And so I think that was the beginning of the end for any crosstown rivalries because they, I mean, they happened a lot more frequently in like 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, but then as college basketball sort of grew as this brand, um, stopped happening as much but clearly they're still successful um brand wise like unc duke is like one of the biggest like rivalry games that you'll watch any given year in college basketball so i think we can definitely bring it back better than ever (laughs) all right any more questions on this yeah ian yeah you alluded to it uh just a second ago but some of the biggest uh rivalries in college sports ohio state michigan duke unc auburn alabama um are massive events for fan bases, for players, for schools. Um, And what's great about those is that they all occur at the end of the year. Uh, So Ohio State-Michigan is always the last game of the season, so is Duke-UNC. And that kind of creates this large season-long buildup for players and fans to get to that moment. Um, So there is a lot of excitement there, but obviously... uh, that arrival for American to have that type of rival, they would have to be in our conference. So, do you foresee this is not crosstown, but do you foresee any school in our conference that we could potentially create that that rivalry with? So, the thing about that, I think, is it's hard in the Patriot League um, because there's no team that's really super close to us, except for. Um, Loyola, Maryland, and they're not even that close. Like, I'm thinking, like, I mean, okay, example, two of the biggest rivalries in college football are in the Patriot League, and so you have Lehigh Lafayette. Um, That's, like, one of the biggest games of the year, but they're right next to each other, so fans can go to those games. And then Army and Navy, that's a whole different, like, beast. It doesn't matter where those games are. People will go to those. Um, So that's not comparable. But I think it, it, the proximity and student interaction does sort of help it too because like a lot of AU students have relationships friendships whatever with GW students so I think that definitely would help it yes hi Kyra in a head-to-head physical showdown between Claude the Eagle and the GW mascot who do you think would win listen I have got to go with Claude not just because I'm biased um, just because like an eagle Easily, you can fly away. You can take that thing down. Um, Eagle, non-problematic mascot. No comment on the GW mascot. Mm. So that's my official position. All right, let's move on to the next reason. All right, as you can see, I have a spreadsheet up. Might not make much sense if you're looking at it. I have looked at it for hours on end, um, so my brain is numb to this. Um, This is a conglomeration of all the schedules of AU men's basketball leading back or going back to 2017 
Um, as you can see, we have the school that they play, the league the school is in, the league classification, and the strength number. The strength number and league classification are based off Ken Palm Power Rankings. Um, I'm not going to explain that on the podcast, just trust me. So, for example, up here in the top left, Kansas State is a Big 12 school. They're a high major. So the strength classification they get is one. So the lower the overall strength classification for the season is, the better or the harder the schedule you have. And so you can see, as time goes on, our schedules have uh, stayed in the same range, but they, they're worse than they were back, back before our time. So worse as in harder or easier? Easier. Okay. Like, the teams are hypothetically worse, quote-unquote, um, just based on power rankings. So, as you can see, in 2017, we had a 5.64 strength of schedule. And then in 2018, we had a 6.18, which is a huge drop in quality of teams that we're playing. And it's sort of stayed in the 5.8, 5.7 range in the last two years. I think that's a big problem because we're playing a lot of teams in league classifications that are lower than the Patriot League. The Patriot League is, ooh, I wish I had this off the top of my head. I think we're a low mid-major. Yeah, I'll figure it out and then I'll edit it over. So based off this, I came up with an ideal schedule that I would like to see in the same range. The way I picked these teams was based on a combination of geography, strength of, like I see these class right here in the strength number, strength of conference, and what I talked about earlier with um, rivalry games and Ivy League. So let's start from the bottom here. Howard, that's a game that I feel like is important for us to play every year. We play Howard every year for the most part. Um, they are a low major conference, which is fine. If we play them once a year, that's okay. Mount St. Mary's, we play that team a lot. We have historically, so I think it's important that we keep playing them. Um, They're also in a middle low major, so still, you know, pretty quote-unquote bad conference. Depends on the team, though. UMBC, another local team that I think is important that we keep playing. We play them a lot in other sports. I think it's important to keep our relationship with some of these schools. Same goes with Marist. Um, great game against them this season. I think that was our season opener, right? Yeah, that went to OT. Yeah, so I think that's a great team to keep playing. Uh, similar quality um, conference, Metro Atlantic, famously the conference of the St. Peter's Peacocks. Um, and then we get into some of the more interesting things, I think. So these three schools, you can interchange them with any Ivy League school you want. I just think these are the best because these are most likely the schools that AU students got rejected from. Um, Columbia, Harvard, and Princeton, they're also relatively close. Um, there are, um, I don't know how close other Ivy League schools are, so I don't know if there's anything closer, but those are relatively close. Um, the Ivy League, better conference than us, but like I mentioned earlier in the presentation, you've got to play up. Also, similar skill level, so it's doable. You can win at least, I think you can win at least one of those games at the minimum. Um, so yeah, that's the Ivy League thing. And then you get into George Washington. They are in the Atlantic 10, which is a far better conference than the Patriot League. Um, and we play them twice because you do the thing where you play them in preseason. And then, as Ian said, you lead up into the last game of the season being George Washington. 
That would be fun. It's a fan experience. And then you get into some of the more interesting stuff. George Mason, another local school that is uh, in a conference better than us, um, is often better than us in certain sports. Um, um, and then you get into the high majors. So Georgetown, obviously, we play them already. So that's fine. But West Virginia, that's another team, I think, close to us, close enough that we can you know, sort of make it work, work it out with their athletic department. They play a great um, defensive scheme at that school, and I think it's important that our men's basketball team gets acquainted with some elite defensive teams just so you can sort of you know, know how to work through defenses. Even if they lose that game, that's fine. That's one of those things where you have to accept a loss. Um, same goes for either playing UMD or UVA. Those would be super fun schools to play, in my opinion, for AU students to watch and for the teams to play. Um, they're pretty close. I think we could work it out. I'm telling you. I don't know why we haven't done this. UMD right up the road, UVA a little farther away, but I think it's important that we play them. Yeah, Ben. Ben Morris here. Uh, how do you think that American University would do with its Princeton offense against West Virginia? Listen, it's like I said earlier, um, I'm not sure that we have the right combination of players to exactly make it work against any team, but especially against an elite defensive team, it's not going to work. It's going to break down. Maybe they'll stay in it for five minutes into the first half, but it'll break down pretty instantly once they figure out what we're doing. They likely already know what we're doing before we come into the game based on like scouting reports and whatnot. It's an easy, it's an easy offense to break down if you don't run it correctly. Lee? Hi, Lee Clark here again. Do you feel like maybe AU should play more New Jersey teams to give uh, some of the large amount of student body of New Jerseyans here uh, a taste of home while they are away? You know what? That is something I didn't consider. Um, fun fact that my mom told me that I didn't verify because my mom never lies. Um, American University is the second largest community of New Jerseyans in the world. The first largest is New Jersey. Um, <laughs> So I think that would definitely be something that we should consider. I'm not going to lie. I don't know that many teams in New Jersey because I have n never been. Well, Princeton, Rutgers. Princeton, yes. Okay, Rutgers. Montclair. What else? Montclair, Seton Hall, right? Seton Hall. Okay. Do you think we should play St. Peter's? I don't know how we would fare against St. Peter's. Um, I don't know what their team's going to look like next year, but I think that would be exciting, especially um, while they're st while they still have this like shiny thing above that team. Even if they have lost their coach, like Ian mentioned, I think the team still is going to keep the brand name for a while. Same with UMBC. They had that for a little bit. I don't know if they have it anymore, but, you know. Any other questions? Yeah. So I don't oh, – hi. Um, so as some of you may know, I cover the field hockey team, and playing, like, in the Patriot League is, like, a big – deal for field hockey is that some is that the same thing for basketball like is there gonna be a lot of patriot league stuff happening in between all of this or like where did all of those teams go this is all this is this is a schedule for before you start league play oh so, okay so these well, are the you get, so you know, how like, was i supposed to know yeah so you get so many you get like however many like 23 or whatever however many okay. games in a season um, and so these are the ones that you fill in before cool. yeah out of the patriot league matchups which one do you think is the most important like to this big scheme that you're doing. Colgate. Yeah. Um, that's the only that's the only team that it matters to beat really in regular season play. I mean in postseason play, like when you're in playoffs, beat everybody. 
I think maybe second most important would be Navy. And then third most important, probably, in my mind, it's a tie between Bucknell and Boston, I think. But anything, what do you, Ben is the men's basketball beat reporter, so. You're spot on with Colgate. You're spot on with Colgate for sure. Uh, you're spot on with Navy. Navy's defense is the most applicable and similar to any like Big Ten defense or like Big Twelve or ACC. Like they run a t- not to use a not to use a uh, pun, but they run a tight ship. <laughs> but uh, no, I think that. And then BU, I'd say BU over Bucknell because Bucknell can. I'll just put it this way: we beat Bucknell. We don't sometimes beat. We don't beat Boston. So okay, that makes sense to me. All right. Anything else on the scheduling? Anything else overall? Does anyone have any concerns? Um, am I making a fool of myself up here? <laughs> All right. To wrap this up, I mean, obviously, if you have any issues with anything I've said, email b at theeagleonline.com. Um, take it up with him, not me. So mm, that's not my problem. So this concludes this amazing crossover episode of Section 202 and the play-by-play. I want to thank everybody for participating. This was awesome. And I want to thank everybody for watching and or listening. 